Hello. You're about to listen to a character podcast in the New Testament series. Let me begin reading one of the scriptures, and then I'll tell you who this remarkable woman is. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. Yes, we're going to be looking at the servant girl who challenged Jesus. There are actually some other servant girls in the Bible who play significant roles. I think of Naaman's servant girl, whose words led to his healing of leprosy. We think of Rhoda who made an identification at the door in Acts chapter 12. But right now, we're going to look at the servant girl who exposed Simon Peter's cowardice. That time, he was ashamed of Jesus. And I've been planning to record this podcast for three years. Finally, I'm doing it. And uh, I really enjoy the preparation. I hope it's meaningful to you as well. The story is found in all four Gospels. The accounts we're looking at are in the order Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. In fact, I've just read Mark's account. And you can see that after she identifies him, he plays dumb. But she's smart. And she exerts more effort identifying Peter than Peter does identifying Jesus, which is what he should have been doing all along. And we're not just looking at Peter and and this girl who exposes his his weakness. I want us to look at our hearts. I want to look at my heart because I I think that we often have opportunities to stand up for Jesus. Sometimes it's a direct question and and we, we can back away. We can be just like Peter. And so when I read this, I'm aware that I'm not just trying to analyze what's going on with those two characters. I'm really looking at the third character, which is me. How am I doing in handling um, similar situations? Now let's read Matthew's version. And this is in Matthew 26. You know, this is all of the notes you have uh, that come with the podcast. In case you're trying to take notes, do you know that? They're all done for you. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Well, it's very similar to Mark's story. Most scholars believe that Mark is the oldest of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Luke and Matthew both adapt Mark's material. And I'm persuaded that that is the case also. You'll notice it's a little bit different. Because here, rather than the servant girl uh, identifying Peter twice, She does it once, and then there's another servant girl. And I know some people would be uh, disturbed because the details don't match when we compare Mark to Matthew. But the discrepancies don't disqualify the testimony of the evangelists. The evangelist Mark, Matthew, Luke, John all emphasize different things. And actually, I think the differences among their stories, and this would go also for Uh, their discussion of uh, the resurrection, you know, which women were there. The discrepancies actually confirm the story because if they were fabricating 
the account. Then they would have smoothed out the differences. As it is, they left them in. Now, Matthew has a habit of doubling. He, he doubles the number of demoniacs. He makes one into two. We have uh, two sets of two blind men being healed, and we have two servants identifying Jesus. That's something Matthew did, I think, because in Judaism, and he is the Jewish gospel writer, uh, everything should be confirmed by two or three. Now, maybe that's what's going on. It doesn't really matter. We, it's the same interaction between Peter and one who is on to him. Let's go now to Luke. Luke 22. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. All right. It's not the, that Peter wasn't following Jesus at all. Did you notice that? How Luke puts it? He's following at a distance. I mean, Jesus is in sight or almost in sight. But unlike the beloved disciple who apparently goes even closer to Jesus, uh, Peter follows at a distance. Do we do that sometimes? Sometimes we, well, we we keep a distance between us and the Lord or between us and the commitment we know the Lord expects of us. I certainly relate to that. On this occasion, it's, it's dark. And there's a full moon. We know that because it's a Passover time. But that wasn't enough necessarily for the girl to make out Peter's face. But here, he's standing with others around a fire. So the fire provides plenty of light for the identification. She is not wrong. And he doesn't just play dumb here. He says, I, you know, I don't know him. Finally, John's account, chapter 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. And so that section ends with the emphasis on how Peter is seeing to his own needs. Instead of following his Lord, instead of taking a stand, identifying himself as a disciple, he, he not only has the distance there, he just makes a flat denial, and, and he's standing around the fire with everyone else. Peter had access because of the other disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that special disciple traditionally thought to be John. And that man had spoken to the servant girl, whose responsibility was to man the door, if I can say man the door in these modern days, uh, so that Peter could be admitted. So her identification has credibility. Peter warms himself by the charcoal fire. What was he doing? What was he thinking? How did he feel when the servant girl correctly identified him? 
was the feeling some people have when they look in the rearview mirror and they see the flashing lights of a police car trying to pull them over? Is the feeling we have sometimes when we open up our mail and we realize that we're in trouble uh, with some bill that we owe? I mean, what was he feeling? Let's get into some analysis here. And I want to focus on Mark's version uh, for simplicity and also because I think it's the oldest account. May I read it one more time? As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. He went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed and the servant girl saw him began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them, but again, he denied it. It's important when we do our Bible study that we not just read isolated passages, but that we get a picture of the whole. And before understanding exactly what Mark is doing here, we need to be, have been willing to look at Mark's work in its entirety. And Jesus predicts his own death three times. And you can see that beginning in Mark 8.31 and again beginning in 9.31 and 10.34. So chapters 8, 9, and 10. Triple prediction of the suffering, of the passion. This is followed by the triple denial of Peter. Three times Jesus talks about the cross. Peter, of course, insists that he will be faithful. If no one, no one else is, he will be. He's not going to back down. And yet, three times, thrice he denies his Lord. And that triple prediction makes those denials more poignant, less excusable. Are we ever like Peter? How, how do we deny Christ? How do we deny our identity as Christians when we could open our mouths Sometimes the Lord delivers opportunities into my lap. You know, people ask me, well, what do you do? Or, you know, what's your job? And I'm, I may be short on time. And so I get just a bit of a partial answer when I should really come out with it. And it, what's the harm in that? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? When's the last time I was like Peter, following at a distance, hesitant to let people know that I already have a master and a calling. Well, that's all that the Gospel of Mark gives us. Luke and John take us a bit further. We have that triple affirmation in John 21, sometimes called the reinstatement. And that's the scene where the Lord makes breakfast. And after they eat three times, the Lord asks Simon Peter, do you love me? And of course, all three times, Peter insists that he does love. And this is borne out. That is the authenticity of his confession. It's borne out in the book of Acts and in his letters and in the early Christian records after the New Testament times. Jesus knew that Peter would come back. I don't think it means that Jesus wasn't hurt by his denial. But he had said earlier, and this is in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, that when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. 
and that charge to strengthen his brothers, you know, to feed my sheep and so forth, what we see in John 21, is understandable. That's exactly what Jesus had in mind in Luke 22 when he explained what was going on, what would happen, predicting uh, Peter's distancing himself from Jesus and his return. So we have Jesus's triple prediction of his own passion, Peter's triple denial, and then there's this triple affirmation or reinstatement, but there's even one more uh, triple involving Peter. Maybe you remember this. It's in Acts chapter 10, the vision of the sheet full of non-kosher animals, and Peter is told, rise, kill, and eat. But it's not about animals that God is concerned. It's people, particularly the non-Jews, the Gentiles. And this vision is shown to Peter, who is a little bit slow on the uptake, three times. Three times the Lord gives him the vision that's intended to help him to rethink, to revision the Gentiles, to to view them not as uh, people who are unclean or must become Jewish before before they can become Christians, but as uh, worthy of being shared the gospel with, and, and these are people who will make great Christians. So Peter maybe is still tending towards obstinacy. Could be. And then a couple of chapters later in Acts 12, Peter's at the door. He's just being released from prison miraculously. And there's a servant girl. The servant girl, I'm not trying to identify it with a servant girl earlier. It's probably a different one. But she correctly identifies him. You know, the crowd, you remember, they say it must be his his angel or his messenger. And Rhoda says, no, it's Peter. <laughs> Leave it to the servant girl to see what's going on. It reminds me of some of those Proverbs how a poor man will see through what's going on with the rich man. Not that Peter was rich, the opposite. Okay, conclusion. It's not just the major characters of the Bible that we can learn from. Everyone counts. And similarly, today, whatever your role is in life or your company, where you work or your school or your church, whatever your role is, you're important. And we would normally focus on Peter But in this podcast, I wanted to focus on on this servant girl because she's uh, in all four Gospels and actually because I've met her a number of times in my life on an airplane, on a bus, on a train, on a walk through the neighborhood. Many times when there was potential for great discussion, sharing my faith, and yet I distanced myself somehow rationalizing that I was too busy, that's my favorite one, or thinking, well, I'll just make a good impression and then we'll meet again. Yet, as we know, so often those opportunities don't represent themselves. Let's take this personally. The servant girl helped Peter to see where he was spiritually. She provided a valuable service to him, and today she still speaks. This anonymous girl accuses the cowardly, faint-hearted church. She tells us her identity, but by our reaction, she accuses us for holding back. Rather than hoping, rather than hoping that others won't notice we're Christians, we should hope that they will quickly identify us. I mean, that gives us an open door. The sooner we can share with them the reason for our hope. She challenges me, and I suspect she challenges you too.